baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. John Hancock and Amy Mark scores here with you on a Wednesday. Hey, later on in the show, right around 1230, in fact, we'll be joined by Bob Costas. The great Bob Costas. That's right, sportscaster. But right now, another legend. We bring in Rocky Sickman. He is the senior vice president of Folds of Honor. Budweiser has a very cool campaign this holiday season where you can send some free beer to our service members. Rocky, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Amy, John, it's an honor to be on the show. Just you and Bob Costas hanging out on KMOX on a Wednesday. You know what? Uh, you please give my best to Mr. Costas. When I, when I came home in 1981, I worked for KMOX, and so I met Bob back then. So please give him my best, and happy holidays to him. Oh, that's incredible. I know people know who you are, but just to set the table for those who don't, uh, you spent... Um, how many days as a hostage during the, 444 days? As yeah. yep. during yeah. the, yes, ma'am. It was 1979 and uh, January 20th. It was November 4th, 1979 to January 20th, 1981. 444 days. And that was two Thanksgivings. That was two Christmases. So it was uh, definitely, I, I was looking for a taste of home back then. Rocky, and I want to talk to you about the Folds of Honor campaign here where we're sending Budweiser to service members, but but before we do get to that, is this time of year uh, particularly meaningful for you because of your experience in Iran? You know, not I mean, not only Iran, but I I spent six Christmases away. Um, you know, our men and women that serve our, our armed forces, they're away from their family, and what a great way to be able to work with uh, Budweiser again, uh, to be able to, to send a, a rebate of a six-pack of uh, a product to someone, but also a note by thanking them because, you know, they don't get paid a lot of money uh, for what they do. It's a life-or-death situation. And so, you know, just a little taste of home, a Budweiser six-pack and a note of thank you, it's just, uh, it's, you know, it, it's a million dollars, and I know they would love it. And especially now, as we're seeing all of these uh, military uh, establishments that the U.S. has in the Middle East are now under constant threat and stress level with what's going on in Gaza and beyond. Uh, Folds of Honor is there, uh, you know, for this Christmas season, obviously, with sending the beer over. But you guys do so much for these families and the family members that are back home. John, we really do. It's, uh, you know, I'm so honored to be, you know, working with Folds of Honor. Uh, you know, I was with Budweiser 34 years. I retired in tw- uh, 2016, came on board with Folds of Honor, which provides scholarships to children, spouses of our fallen and disabled military and first responders. And for me, uh, going back to the Iran situation, eight people lost their life, uh, you know, trying to regain my freedom back in 1980. And every morning I wake up, I think of those eight, and this is just a, a great opportunity for me to work with uh, Folds of Honor 
it's a, really a therapeutic piece, but also to work with Budweiser, which has provided over $22 million to Folds of Honor in the past 13 years. And so it's an honor for me to be able to continue to give back to uh, our military men and women, and especially the families. I, John, Amy, I had no idea um, the turmoil it put on my poor family when I was there for 444 days. And our, uh, you know, our military uh, families, they're going to be here uh, with the chair empty this Christmas season. So this is just a great way to give back to those that do serve. So now through December 31st, people listening, they can offer service members a taste of home. So what they can do is go to Budweiser's website, social media channels, click a link to enter their data along with the name of a service member they'd like to give Budweiser to. Now, obviously, that service member has to be over 21 years old. Uh, Then after you enter your data, you'll receive an email with a link to the rebate, and you can just forward that rebate to the eligible service member, and that service member will be able to purchase a six-pack of Budweiser uh, for free. And then for every nomination received through December 31st, Budweiser will make a donation, $1 per nomination, to Folds of Honor. Yes, that is absolutely correct, uh, Amy. It's one of those things that, again, freedom is not free. And at uh, Folds of Honor, we say honor their sacrifice, educate their legacy. Uh, So this is just a great opportunity. So you're right. Go to us.budweiser.com forward slash Bud Taste of Home. Uh, And again, like I said, I wish I would have had a six-pack of Budweiser for those 444 days I was here. But I had to wait when I got home. I'll bet that's right. You you mentioned those eight service members who who perished uh, trying to rescue the hostages 43 years ago. And, you know, you think about that's 43 years now. Uh, I'm sure several of them had young children at the time. Those children are now in their 40s. Those are grandchildren that uh, never got met by these service members. I mean, when you talk about giving up everything to defend your country, that is precisely what happens. And it, and it has really an everlasting impact. You're absolutely right, John. It's, and that's very, um, very near and dear to my heart because I've been able to come home. Young lady that waited for me for 444 days. We've been married 42 wonderful years without her. I'd be in a ditch somewhere. Uh, but you know, we have three beautiful children, uh, and, you know, I've been able to go to my father and my daughter and father dances uh, in high school, you know, go fishing with my son. I've been able to walk my daughters down the aisle. I've been able to uh, play with my grandkids. Those eight individuals, they lost everything that day of April 25th, trying to come over to regain my freedom. So this is just a small token uh, for me to continue uh, to make sure that we never forget them. And each day I wake up, I earn my day in memory of those eight. Rocky, this is a a bit of a a rabbit trail here, but just hearing you talk about freedom, not being free, and what you went through, and then the service members who gave their lives so that you could come home. Do you speak to high schoolers and younger generations that maybe don't understand, because we've had peace for so long, that don't understand the significance of what our service members did uh, in World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, and going forward? (laughs) 
Amy, you're opening up a box of worms there. Everybody's listening. Um, it's interesting you ask because uh, right before I got on the air here, I got a note from uh, two little uh, individuals from Seattle, Washington, in high school doing a uh, project, and they asked if I, they could speak to me. And so, yes, I, I, I do do those. I'm not on the speaking circuit, but, I'm, you know, I typically I do go out. Obviously, I've attended all my kids when they were growing up. Um, and just speaking at their schools. But, yes, I, I still do like to go out and try to speak to them because it is. Freedom is not free, and uh, we just have to continue. As my parents taught me three things, love of family, love of faith, and love of country. And those three things kept me alive through the darkest times, and I still have remembered them and have never forgotten them. Rocky, you probably don't have the numbers at your fingertips, but about— how many families his Folds of Honor helped over the years? It's a, it's a remarkable oh gosh, since, organization. Yeah, uh, John, since uh, 2007, 51,000 uh, scholarships that we have provided. And those are 51,000 stories. My story is just one of those 51,000. So it is, uh, like I said, it's been an honor uh, to be able to continue. And any of your listeners that want to uh, participate and donate to Folds, they can go to foldsofhonor.org and make a donation uh, as a squadron leader and make that donation of $13. And why 13? There's 13 folds to a, a flag. And that's what uh, our families get whenever we lose uh, a member. And so it's uh, very, uh, very important that we never forget that. And I think you said this, but with over 51,000 scholarships, Budweiser has also donated over $21.7 million to Folds of Honor in those scholarships over the past 13 years. Really, really extraordinary. Um, Again, this is a, a taste of home program that people can gift some Budweiser, gift a taste of home to service members who are deployed overseas. And all you have to do is go to Budweiser's social media channels. I'll have you give that that website again. You'll put in your information, and that way you can get a link to forward to your eligible service member. They'll get a six-pack of Budweiser on you guys, and Budweiser will make a donation to Folds of Honor. What's that website again? Yep, it's us.budweiser.com forward slash Bud Taste of Home. And Amy also that note, put that personal note of just a thank you Mm -hmm. to that man or that lady that's serving. It's a million dollars for them, Uh, you know, giving them that thanks and letting them know that we're enjoying our our freedom this Christmas uh, because they're over there uh, providing it for us. Actually, I have a a quick question regarding that. Let's say you, you don't know someone overseas right now. Is there a way to gift it to someone that you don't know? Um, no, absolutely. If you know their email address, mm-hmm. uh, you can forward that that name of that individual and their email address. Absolutely, we you know everybody knows somebody okay. in the town that has someone serving. So yes, absolutely. Perfect, Rocky Sickman, Senior Vice President of Folds of Honor. Thank you so much for your time today. And if we don't talk to you before Christmas, Rocky, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas to you, Amy and John. Thank you again for all that you do to help continue to educate Folds of Honor. Absolutely. Okay, that website, one more time, Rocky. Yes, it's us.budweiser.com forward slash Bud Taste of Home. 
Perfect. Rocky Sickman, Senior Vice President of Folds of Honor. Really, really cool program. I hope our listeners get involved with that. And, John, I mean... Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is, people want to stick around because I think in a, in a minute or so, right after our, you know, we make a few dollars with commercials. We've our got, very brief commercial break. Our very brief commercial break. We've got a riveting story. It involves a wall. It does. That maybe John Hancock did or did not jump off of. Yeah, it does. That's right. That's next. John Hancock, Amy Mark scores. This is the Chris and Amy show. All right. So John Hancock and I were... Uh, commiserating over our old man injuries. Yeah. He said he is. And I, Amy, I have an old man injury. I have an old man injury, but yours is more exciting, John, so we'll go first. So, yeah, I was over here filling in for the lovely and talented Amy Marks scores yesterday from mm-hmm. uh, 10 o'clock until 1 o'clock, and then I had to jump in the car and drive two hours and 43 minutes to the Lake of the Ozarks oh. for a client meeting. And I got there a little early, and so they said that they were, we're meeting at the at the place next door. Uh, before the meeting. So I parked at the meeting spot and I looked at, and there's a place next door. Mm-hmm. And it's, we're right on, uh, I don't know, right off of Highway 54. Mm-hmm. There's no shoulder. I can't walk to on the street. I didn't want to get back in my car. Uh, and there's just this little rock wall there. I just hop up on that. Now I've got long legs, Amy, and, you know, I'm in <clears throat> pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Not really. And uh, so I just climbed up the rock wall there and no problem. <laughs> Walked in. Wait, wait, how high was the rock wall? It was uh, about waist high. Okay, not yeah. insignificant. No, no, but I've got long legs, so, okay. you know, I just hoisted it right up there. I walked into where I thought the meeting was. Nobody's there. So I called my buddy, and I said, I'm at the place. He said, where are you? And I told him. He said, no, 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 we're on the other side. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to go back down the, the wall. Oh. So I get to the wall. I'm kind of looking for the low point there. And I find it, and I've got a couple of options. I can I can squat down and kind of drape my legs over and kind of maneuver and just kind of drop. And I thought, nah, I'm a, I'm an athlete. I used to play base, uh, baseball when I was ten, <laughs> and uh, so I thought I can just jump off of this sucker and land. Well, there were leaves on the ground uh-huh. right there. I jump off the wall, and I've got dress shoes on. Not my brightest moment. I hit the leaves, I skid, I twist my ankle, I fall down, and uh, skinned my knee, and uh, yeah, it was not good. Was then I then I went to the meeting, and then I drove home, and I'm sore today. You, I'm an old man. You jumped. Okay, first of all, that's not really an old man injury. That's just an injury because you jumped Stupid. off a wall. Stupid. Well, I've jumped off of walls plenty of times like that. Four feet. I mean, it's four foot drop. You know, what What harm could could happen? I mean, I'm younger than you are. I would have to think twice about jumping well, off I a wall. Well, I did think twice about it. And my, <laughs> the, it was the second time I thought about it, I thought I would do it. I thought it sounded like a good idea and I thought it would be the quickest way down. <laughs> did you rip your pants? I did not. I had blue jeans on, which was uh, good. Was there a mark on your knee where you scraped a your knee? A little teeny, a little teeny yep. mark, yeah. Yeah. And no, but nobody was the wiser for you jumping off that I wall. Was, when so you there was up. a lady getting out of her car, 
and uh, and I'm standing on top of the wall. She's getting out of her car, and I th- and I thought, and I did have the presence of mind to think, wait a minute, let me wait till she goes inside in case something unfortunate should happen here. <laughs> so I stood there for a minute, and she went in the building, and then I I jumped uh, nearly to my death right there. <laughs> So, what but, did the ever-loving Georgian say? All is well. Uh, she told me to ice it and elevate it. Okay. Yeah. But no critique of your decision to jump off the wall in the well, first place? Well, I mean, place? You, I had to get down. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to stand there all night looking at the wall. So um, I, I should have taken a different approach to the mm-hmm. wall. <laughs> and in the future, uh, now that I'm aging, I probably would have done it differently. But <laughs> you live and you learn life's little lessons. Oh. And what's what's the matter with you? I have the old man injury. I have the oldest of the old man injuries. Sciatica. Ooh. Like your sciatic nerve. Yeah. The only time I ever hear about sciatic nerve pain is a commercial during The Price is Right. Yeah, for a drug, right? Probably. So isn't there some drug you I can don't take? I think so. Well, now, they, I, they, I've seen them talk about it. On the, take uh, Bupa Dupa. You know, might, now if you have suicidal thoughts or tendencies, call your doctor. I mean, you know, all the, the these drug ads, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Are ridiculous. You know, constipation. I mean, just all these things Permanent are Permanent yellowing of the eyes. Oh, man. And, yeah. the, and And so I'm thinking about we need to do political ads like that. Okay. You know? Isn't Joe Biden great? May cause severe harm to the economy. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of stuff we ought to be doing in politics. See... I think it's the other way around. And I don't know if it was a comedian or someone said what they should do. Because what they do for these drug commercials, they always show people skipping through the park. They're happy. Or they're, they're at a carnival. little people on drugs out there. They're, they're smiling. Yeah. They're playing with their grandkids. Yes. They're at parties. They're having a great time. And then the low mumble of, you know, may cause permanent yellowing of the eyes, cirrhosis, death, ha- suicidal thoughts and actions have occurred Death has occurred, cancer, gas, oil. It's just disgusting and really gross stuff. They should act that out. (laughs) Like, you know, if people really want to know what they're up against, they should act out all the potential harm that could happen and then see if we're such an over-medicated society. And when did we start asking our doctors if this drug is right for us? Right. It was, the doctor supposed to tell yeah. us what drug is right for yeah. us. Yeah. Hey, Doc, I was watching the Hallmark Channel. I have never asked my doctor for a drug. No. Well, I, if you've had the drug before. Well, that, yeah. But I'm like, in, in a doctor's visit, I don't say, hey, you know, look, I saw these four ads. Do yeah. you think this thing will do anything for me? I've never done that. So, right. And, and I think people do. And you know what? I think the drug that has got to be the most patient facing, or at least the prescription is coming because a patient wants it something like ozempic or wagovi where people are losing weight yeah. i bet more people are asking their doctors can i take this drug versus the doctors oh, prescribing be. it that's what because I you don't have to have diabetes right do, to have it do you really lose weight on this stuff well apparently you do but more hmm. and more hmm. stories and reports are coming out about just horrific side effects oh. like you can't stop vomiting because your stomach is dying and just horrible things. The Washington Post had a long story about all the side effects. I think I saw yesterday, what were we watching? We were watching something and there was a commercial for a, a class action lawsuit like already. Have you taken Ozempic or Wagovi and had stomach paralysis or something? Like that? <laughs> stomach paralysis? Well, that doesn't a, sound good. I think it's a real thing. So anyway, I have 
oh, I have sciatica and it's a very old man because it's, there's nothing sexy about sciatica. Like you don't, like 25 year olds don't go like, hey, I'm single and I have sciatica. Sciatica is what your grandpa has. Yeah, well, and it, I've it, got it's got to be painful. So it just goes away. Is that how that works? Well, it does for me. Like I, I get it occasionally, but it shoots down your hip, down your hamstring, into your calf, into your ankle and foot. It's like being electrocuted on that nerve that just shoots down the length of your leg. I almost threw up yesterday because it was so pain. painful. Well, do you get that from running 60 miles a day? Is that what causes I get it that? from sitting, and I'm not even kidding. I get it if I sit too much. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Well. So that's why you're always moving. That's why I'm always moving. And always running and moving and yeah. Wow, now you can't run with a, your nerve doing it. No, that. yesterday, I that was when I almost threw up because I was trying to run through it, and it was like being electrocuted. Hey, I also want to say, uh, guess what yesterday was? I forgot. Your birthday. Happy birthday. No, Mason Jar's birthday. Happy birthday to the Jar Man. I know. Happy birthday, Mason did, Jar. Did you, did you make a cake for the Jar? I bought a cake uh-huh. for Mason Jar. Uh-huh. Yep, we had pho from Nudo, ramen and pho from Nudo. Pho? Yeah. What's pho? It's a, uh, it's like a soup, a broth with uh, noodles, and it's an Asian dish. It's delicious. Really? And then we had sushi for dinner. Ugh. It was delicious. It it's raw fish. I got him a bottle of, hold on, is it? <laughs> no, pho? because of Scott McFarland. Pho I keep thinking fish. of Scott McFarland from CBS. There's a bourbon. Yeah. Um, McAllister's, McFarland, Mc... McDonald's? McDonald's. You get him I got him McDonald's a nice bottle of bourbon oh, as well. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Was it uh, McCallum? That's, uh, that's something else. I don't think so. That's, uh, that's uh, what you call it, scotch, isn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I don't scotch, think it was yeah. that. I'm going to find it, and we'll get back. But happy birthday, Mason Jar. Well, happy Mason birthday jar. to the jar. That's right. Wow. That's right. All right. He's John Hancock. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. It is the Chris and Amy Show. I'm Amy Mark Scores. John Hancock is sitting just over to my right here in Studio B. John, the social media age. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been upon us for almost 20 years now, but really that 2006, 2007, 2008, people really got into Facebook. It's since evolved to the monstrosity that is TikTok. But there's something of a phenomenon because it's been around so long social media babies meaning the kids whose infancies and childhoods happened then happened at the time when facebook was new and right. everybody was posting they have since grown up and a lot of them are horrified that their lives were not just documented, but posted for the public to see, whether it was the first bath time, which everyone has their classic first bath time picture, right? at home in an album, but now those are online, to absolute meltdowns and tantrums. And I think this is something that I've always found, I don't know if gutsy is the right word, inconsiderate or perhaps short-sighted, to put so much of your child's life on the internet for the public to see with, with obviously without their consent because they're babies. They don't know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. And I, you know, I'm, we're going through now with my first grandchild and granddaughter and um, yeah, we, I've been tried to be pretty sensitive there. I posted a couple of things, pictures that, you know, mm-hmm. cutesy things, but uh, 
you know, it used to be uh, when I was back in high school, you'd have one day where you'd bring a baby picture into class and you'd try and guess who everybody's was. Mm-hmm. And now you can just get online and go find everybody's baby picture, right? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I do think that and these kids are going to grow up and some of them are going to be, you know, value privacy more so than others are. And so I think people ought to be very thoughtful about what they post online because it is going to live there forever. And uh, and these these young kids have no say so over what's what's taking place. Well, there's a lot of there are a lot of different angles you can take with this because you could go the safety route. You can go the privacy route. Uh, and also, I think there's something uh, is unethical, too strong of a word. But let's say you're four-year-olds having a meltdown, your five-year-olds screaming. In fact, there's a story in The Atlantic about social media babies growing up, and it starts with an anecdote about a young, two young sisters opening presents for Christmas, and the two presents are luggage. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the youngest starts screaming and crying because she didn't want luggage. Well, the the... The gift was that the luggage was because they're going to Disney World. Ah. But the little girl was so young, she wouldn't listen, and she was screaming and crying, and it just went absolutely viral. It has since been deleted on TikTok. But to me, that it's something of a violation of the parent-child trust, that your parents are the ones who see you in your worst moments yeah. when you're a child, not not the world. No, I think that's exactly right. And uh, what did I read? The, remember Charlie bit my finger? Remember yep. that? <laughs> so, yeah. They're, they're in college now. And uh, and so that whole thing, you know, they may be embarrassed about having bitten, Charlie having bitten his <laughs> finger. And yet that thing was seen by how many millions and millions and millions of people all over the world. And maybe that's the great success story of the child going viral in a moment because it wasn't a meltdown. It was, right. it, it was cute and he had a little accent, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlie bit my finger. Yeah. Uh, and and. I think a lot of parents tried to recreate that. And for some reason, it, I find it gross. A lot of parents who try to go viral, now, and now we're moving on just posting a birthday party, but parents who either try to go viral because they film a meltdown, they film their child being afraid, whatever it may be, a very vulnerable moment, or even worse, they manufacture it. They create a scenario yeah. that's going to make their child flip out or give the child lines to say so that they can go viral. It just feels like a betrayal oh, that's, of trust. That's, yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing. A, here's a family photo from Christmas. You know, I, that's fine. Um, but certainly embarrassing moments. If somebody would have captured me falling off that wall yesterday, you know, I wouldn't want that <laughs> all over the Internet. <laughs> So, yeah, I think you just need people need to be thoughtful out there. I don't know. I remember uh, think of the embarrassing photos of when you were a kid and every kid goes through an awkward phase. And I think my eighth grade yearbook photo and everyone. Yes. I thought you were homeschooled. I was homeschooled. We still had we met with other homeschoolers. We had a yearbook. We had events. We had a yearbook. We had a yearbook. In homeschool. <laughs> we did. Wow. And let me tell you that picture of me in the yearbook is awful because the printing quality was bad. Yeah. Uh, and I, in eighth grade, I guess I was what you would call a tomboy, but I didn't think I was a tomboy. I thought I looked dashing. I thought I was pretty. I had glasses. I had round glasses. Yeah. I wore my hair in a ponytail, which that alone is not always a great silhouette for a photo. And uh, and I think I wore a, a, 
some type of collared shirt. I don't know if it was a polo or a flannel shirt. It was just some type of collared shirt. And I remember thinking, I look pretty. I look good. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't, John. It was the most awkward, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, looking photo plus the bad print quality. Well, you ought to post that online. Well, I <clears throat> cut it out of my yearbook. Oh. I know. I think when I was a teen, I found the yearbook. I think I was so humiliated that I cut it out. So there's a hole in the yearbook oh, <laughs> where my picture was in eighth grade. What was your best year uh, for photographs? Uh, I was Mine was fifth grade. I Was Was it? I, I don't like to talk, but I was a good-looking fifth grader. You were a looker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, you then it, went, it went downhill from there. Really? Yeah. That's kind of young yeah, for it to go downhill. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I was never the most photogenic person. Some people are naturally photogenic and know how to smile. I don't know how to smile. Um, well, you, t- you take your, your your mouth there and you turn it up, you know, into a smile. Well, like it looks incredibly forced. Oh. It looks incredibly forced. Now, Georgianne. Oh, my gosh. Best smile I've She ever. has a great smile. Oh, my goodness. That's the first thing I know. I called smiley was the first word I well, ever said really? to her. I said, hi, smiley. That was the very first word I ever said to her. Because she has the best smile. Oh, it's the best smile. And it's so natural yeah. in all in pictures, oh. uh, on Facebook, when I see a, an update from the Hancock family. It's yes. a perfect smile. Oh. Mm. Mine's very constrained and constipated. I think that's why. Constipated. Yeah, I think that's why I have a little bit of. You have a constipated <laughs> smile. Yes. It, that's what I think when I see it. Huh. That's why. And John, maybe with your political expertise, you can tell me about coaching on this. Part of me. Part of me, my heart breaks a little when I see Ron DeSantis because I can see that being me. Just he's very stilted. Mm. He looks like he doesn't know how to smile. It looks like he's being human for the first time when he's up uh, in front of the lectern or speaking. He seems very. Uh, well, I, I can I can say I've known you now for a number of years. Yeah. I, I've never thought of constipation when I've seen you. <laughs> so there yeah. you have it. Well, that's how the smile can be sometimes. Well, anyway, with these with the social <laughs> media babies. How the heck did I, we get into this? Well, it's it's a stilted smile. Tom Ackerman knows what I'm talking about. He does. He does. Uh, it's he just walked in to pick something up, but it, it's that fake smile of how do you relax so that it looks natural? At any rate, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. Did you have any rules for your kids on social media? So they were uh, by the time all of that came up. So ninety four, so thirteen. That. You know, they were in their early teen years, Mm -hmm. and uh, it really wasn't a thing at that point. You know, I mean, some people were on it, but uh, the kids weren't on it that young and weren't really clamoring to get on it when they were that young. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to, like, prohibit them from doing it. And then when they did get on, um, and gosh, I can't remember, 16, 15, somewhere in there at that age, uh, you know, we kind of monitored it pretty yeah. closely, but it's uh, it's a real issue. I know for a lot of young families out there, how they're going to deal with that. And you know, you're if you've got an infant, a toddler, you know, you got to start already thinking about these things at that point as a parent. Yeah, very important. I just there's I, it feels like a betrayal from a parent child relationship, the trust relationship, because. In the U.S., you have parental rights, and parental authority 
supersedes a child's right to privacy, right? Because the parent, there's an understanding, it's unwritten, that the parent is going to act in the best interest of the child and the parent will do what's best for the child. And when the whole virality of social media exploded and parents wanted to start using their kids as props or tools to go viral, that trust was broken. And that's not something you want to get be legislated. You you don't want to legislate the relationship. No, but people just need to be child. thoughtful. You just need to be thoughtful. But and I don't think they are. No, they're, they're, but, but you know what? We've had bad parents with us from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't be a bad parent. <laughs> That's good advice, yes, John Hancock. Yes. Be a good parent. You know, <laughs> kids will, you know, maybe someday not put you in the home. Well, there you go. That's the goal. <laughs> so he's John Hancock. I'm Amy Mark Scores. John Hancock, Amy Mark Scores, and John, people are getting out of Dodge. They are. People are leaving the bi-state area. So this was a story from KSDK. Tens of thousands of people packed up and moved out of Missouri and Illinois from 2021 to 2022. Now we have U.S. Census Bureau data to see where they went, uh, where the, the all of the migration data from the bi-state area. And there were some people who moved from Missouri to Illinois and some from Illinois to Missouri, but a lot of them headed out of the, of the bi-state area in general. Okay, leaving Missouri... Here are the top totals for each state. Where do you think most, the highest number of uh, Missouri, former Missouri residents lit, moved? Colorado. No. No. Oh. It's not on the list. Really? Which is weird. Because I, I, so many of my kids' friends moved to Denver and um, have taken up residency. Yeah. Texas has got to be up there with the explosion in Austin. My guess is Texas and Colorado, a lot of the people I know who moved there are either young, right. out of college, or old, like retirees. Not really old, but older. Mm. So I'm guessing it's kind of expensive to move a whole family to Austin or a whole family to Colorado. Sure. So the numbers are probably skewed. Yeah, so you're looking at uh, Florida then, retirement and that sort of thing. Yep, Florida's number four. So mm-hmm. the number one destination for leaving Missouri, a Kansas. Just under 21,000 people moved to Kansas. Well, that's sad. <laughs> that's... Well, that's got to be that's got to be the state line, though, the Overland Park area mm-hmm. in the suburban Kansas City. About 16,000 people went to Illinois. Yeah. A lot of a lot of that Chicago. Over twelve thousand went to Texas. Yeah. Ten thousand, almost eleven thousand went to Florida. Seven thousand to Arizona. Oh yeah. yeah. And sixty three hundred to California. Wow. So the top six destinations of those leaving Missouri: Kansas, Illinois, Texas, Florida, Arizona, and California. Now those leaving Illinois, the number one. St- state for those leaving Illinois, they moved to Florida. Yeah. There are over 35,000 people moved to Florida. Well, in, Florida doesn't have an income tax, and Illinois is a very high-tax state, and it, it's, Illinois is, I think, going to really suffer uh, continued economic harm because of the way they fund their government there, and, and they've turned every avenue they possibly can, gambling, mm-hmm. marijuana, they've tried, I mean, they're trying everything. And they still can't balance their budget. And, uh, you know, but for the federal funding that came through COVID, they'd be, you know, in a terrible shape right now in the state of Illinois. It's a, and hugely due to entitlements, right? And, in and pensions. And a lot, pensions, of, a lot yeah. of pension liability that they built up over the years. And 
but they're they're a fiscal mess over there. Yeah. And and you know, raising taxes, particularly in the context of a state raising taxes, that's not a zero sum because people will leave. They will go to and there's plenty of states in this country that have no income tax. Texas being one, Florida being one, Tennessee being one. And you see phenomenal growth in populations in, the, in places like that. And taxes are, are part of that reason, I think. The second uh, state for those leaving Illinois is Indiana. And I imagine that's a Kansas-Missouri thing, the yeah. Indiana-Illinois. Sure. 31,000 left for Indiana. 27,000 went to Wisconsin. 25,000 went to Texas. 24,000 went to California, and 20,000 went to Missouri. I'm surprised California is that. Of course, it's a beautiful place to live, but it's a very expensive place to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that surprises me that California took that many people out of Missouri and Illinois. Mm-hmm. It also, in Missouri, the data showed that more people moved into the state than the number who left. So more than 160,000 people moved to Missouri during the time period of 2021 to 2022. And let's see, here we go. The number, Kansas and Missouri were really in just a a tit for tat because Kansas, we had more people from Kansas moving to Missouri than any other state, more people from Illinois moving to Missouri, and then California, Florida, and Arkansas. Which is kind of interesting. So, 6,300 people left Missouri to go to California. 12,000 people left California to come to Missouri. So I've lived in St. Louis my whole life, and you have as well, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And my parents lived here all of their lives, and their parents, well, shoot, I'm a sixth-generation Missourian. And I never really have ever entertained the thought of leaving until recently, you know, really? and yeah, I mean, Georgiana and I have talked about it, but, but our granddaughter's here, so we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's kind of a, a sad time for the St. Louis region because we are seeing our population continue to dwindle. There are more people dying than being born yeah. here uh, every single year. So it's... Uh, I really hope we can get it together because I I have loved being part of the St. Louis community and I would hate to feel like I needed to leave. Did you, would you share, where did you consider, where would you consider moving? Warm. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Warm. Yeah. So I, I've loved St. Louis. I've lived here my whole life. I've never been that person who grew up saying, oh, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to either even go away to college. I mean, I didn't do that. I'd never felt this desire to get out of St. Louis. If I, if I did move, I love the mountains. Oh. And so, and I love the Rockies. I really love the Rockies. So I would be that person that when they got older, you know, what's booming right now is Montana and Idaho. Mm -hmm. Idaho is going gangbusters in terms of growth. They're growing so fast that they almost can't absorb the infrastructure, can't absorb all of the movement there. Yeah. Well, places like Jackson Hole are impossible to live in. Yeah. Like, you either have a $10 million house or you live in Idaho. There's, I mean, there's just no normal neighborhood in in Jackson Hole area, Wyoming in general. Now, the Canadian Rockies are beautiful and Canada's beautiful. My concern with getting a place in say, like, Banff for Canmore, but if we, we have another pandemic and you can't get to your vacation house or your home because you can't cross the border. Isn't it, isn't it terrible when you can't get to your vacation house? 
<laughs> I mean, what we is the world dream. coming to? Yeah, we can right. dream, can't we? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, is you know what? <laughs> my vacation house is in the basement. <gasps> oh my gosh, my vacation house was my parents' house. Yeah. During the pandemic, I locked myself in my apartment during the week, and then on the weekends would go back to my parents. I called it my country home. We will never do that again. <laughs> We will never lock things down. Do like you that think so, though? Because I, I remember two, what was it, maybe three weeks into the shutdown, mm-hmm. whenever Gavin Newsom of California said we're going to be shut down through July 4th, I, I'm pretty sure I went on air saying Missouri would never stand for that. We would never shut down until July 4th. Yeah. <laughs> and we shut down for a lot longer than that. You don't think you think that I don't think we'll ever gone. do it. I do not think we will ever do that again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the damage to the economy it caused and you know, uh, people you, people need to be responsible for their health yeah. obviously and people that are vulnerable uh, constituencies need to need to protect themselves, but I don't think we should ever shut the economy down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what that then fostered was all of this this government spending, remember the PPP program? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just massive spending that, uh, I, you know, and it did. they didn't qualify anybody. and just hand out the money, you know. We should never do that again. Yeah. Well, God willing, because that was awful. I don't even like to watch television shows or specials or concerts where people are wearing masks. I want that to be... Far in the yeah, past. I mean, if a guy wants to wear a mask, you know, we're fine. <laughs> but uh, just we're not going to shut it down. No. When I'm governor, we're not going to shut down this economy. Well, he might be governor because he's certainly not going to be Secretary of State. <laughs> he's John Hancock. I'm Amy Mark Scores. Exactly right. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 